Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sports, transness, sci-fi gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And in memory of Mikhail Sergeyevich Gorbachev, the last leader of the Soviet Union, passed away Tuesday at the age of 91. I'm going to bring a little glasnost into this week's podcast. I'm going to be open with you about some things I've been feeling. And one of the biggest things I've been feeling is that sport-induced transphobia is officially out of control. And we've seen this all throughout this last year. I mean, it was the Leah Thomas thing and the Emily Bridges thing and the legislators and politicians trying to pass bills and get reelected on the backs of trans youth thing. And there's the so-called feminists linking arms with people like Christiana Holcomb and the Alliance Defending Freedom thing at Transphobapalooza back in June. What we've seen in the last couple weeks, this is off the chain. And something's got to be done about it. It's bad enough that you had parents in Utah challenge a kid who won a spring sports competition because they said, some people said, according to the complaints that were given to the Utah High School Athletic Activities Association, that that female athlete doesn't look feminine enough. So by law, the law that was passed back in March, that is now the subject of a federal injunction that was passed down last week, they had to go back through all of this young girl's cumulative records. They had to go all the way back to attendance records that dated back to kindergarten to determine that the young girl in question is a cisgender girl. Transphobia. It's why we just can't have nice things. And at the same time that was going on, you had the situation with Haley Davison crunching through LPGA Q School Phase 1 and actually doing pretty well, keeping herself competitive. Didn't make the cut for the final round of Q School Stage 1, but did play well enough to earn Epson Tour status for the 2023 season just placing her a heartbeat away from the big show. Now, one thing I know about Davison, who is an excellent golfer and a friend of the podcast, is that she's put a lot of work in her game. Don't believe me? We got receipts. Go to her Instagram and see how much work she's been putting in. Now, as Davison was playing at Q School, every clickbait site with a dollar and a dream and the paid professional transphobes are doing their usual yada, yada, yada. But there was also a war, a war of words between two moms. Tennis coach and the mother of tennis superstar Andy Murray, Judy Murray, cried to a British tabloid that Haley being in Q school was unfair. You know, the usual vitriol. Now, Davidson's mom, Sandra Davidson, fired back with, quote, you do not know my daughter, Haley, and most importantly, you know absolutely nothing about transgender men or women, and therefore you have no rights whatsoever to give your opinion on something you know nothing about. Now, even Caitlyn Jenner, who 
definitely is no friend to the transgender community. Agreed with that. And and Jenner went as far as to swing up for Haley Davidson, even on Fox News, which is, man, I got to give it to you, a little bit surprising that, that Caitlyn Jenner would do that. And one of the people who discussed that said Ziegler talked about that in in Outsports just a week ago. And another good article, suggest you read it. But there's one place that I disagree with, you said. He writes, Davidson's mother has gotten into the conversation. Well, not technically. Judy Murray kind of dragged her into it. You know, a mom's going to defend her kid. Ziegler writes, essentially telling Davidson's mother got into the conversation, essentially telling everyone who isn't transgender or isn't the mother of a trans person to get out of the conversation. Mm, not exactly. Said no. Not buying that. This thinking is highly problematic to me as people of all walks of life can listen and learn and come through thoughtful conclusions. Sid, I agree with you here. However, Judy Murray isn't listening and doesn't want to learn. And a lot of people in this discussion who are for exclusion don't want to listen and want to learn. So I agree with Sandra Davidson on this one. And I'm saying that as a trans person who is also an athlete, who's also going through their own transition and all of the ups and downs and peaks and valleys therein, verily I say to those who are opining and being proudly, woefully ignorant, take a seat. Take a Wembley Stadium number of seats. I support Sandra on this one. I think that's where Sandra was going here. And again, even Jenner said, quote, I'm on Haley's mom's side. They don't know what it's like to transition, how difficult it is. The mothers do know. And that's a rare piece of empathy from a person who hasn't shown a lot. But something happened a couple days ago, which really, which really took it from the sublime to the ridiculous. And it was from an event that happened this past weekend. On Sunday in Seattle, you had the finals of the World Professional Billiards and Snooker Association's Women's U.S. Snooker Open. Now, this is a, a major event. And Britain's Jamie Hunter, 25 years old, relative newcomer to the pro ranks, defeated fellow Brit Rebecca Kenna four games to one. Now, this... now. This young player also won the World Billiards Championship the week before. Now, when you have an, an up-and-comer on a hot streak like this, you celebrate it. But Jamie Hunter, being an up-and-comer who is also a transgender woman, got a lot of criticism that seemed to drown out some of the cheers. Now, among those including the usual suspects, was a statement from the gender-critical anti-trans organization Genspect. Now, that's a name that if you haven't heard it, keep your eye on it because a lot of people are dancing to their music for reasons I can't fathom. They stated that Hunter's victory was because, quote, trans women have an advantage over women. Nice dehumanization there. I see you working as they have better reach due to their longer limbs and better spatial ability due to testosterone. I'm hearing the faint noise of Jimmy the Greek talking about big thighs when I'm reading that. 
But there's a silver lining here. And that comes in the form of WPBSA Chairman Jason Ferguson. Now, Jason Ferguson, as the commissioner of a league, the head of a sporting governing body, didn't do what the NCAA did. He didn't just leave Hunter to twist in the wind and take the brickbats by herself the way that the NCAA basically let Leah Thomas take the hits on her own. Ferguson got out, gotten out in front of the story, stood in front of reporters on Monday when asked and said, quote, we are classed as a precision sport by the International Olympic Committee, and we are therefore not too dissimilar from archery or shooting in those kinds of sports, even if stamina might at some point be relevant. He went on to say there's a set number of nanomoles per liter for the testosterone. Athletes, the athlete's self-certification must be produced if questions are raised, and we can request the referral. But there's nothing to tell us that women can't compete at the same level of stuker as men on any physical grounds. Weighing that up against these arguments that hunters shouldn't be allowed to play in snooker for us, it doesn't add up. Now that is what a commissioner of the league does when they're really about inclusion. They swing up. And also, snooker fans across social media swung up with a vigor that would have made roller derby proud. One such fan, who's also a player and an official, was Marcel Eckert, who said via Twitter that the people who are cracking back on Hunter for being trans are, quote, no fans of snooker. There are just a bunch of bullies who never cared about women's snooker before, showing what kind of ignorant and unpleasant people they are. Sad life. Well done, Jamie Hunter. Herr Eckert, thank you. And all the other fans who spoke out on social media, thank you. One such fan, who's also a friend of the podcast, is the, he is, the is the host of Transition Stories, Phoebe Rose, who said, quote, Snooker is not, I repeat, not a gender-affected sport. This is just bigotry one-on-one. I couldn't agree more. Need another example? Um, when you get a chance, head over to the Washington Post. And in fact, we're going to send you a link to this story because it was really well done. And I'm critical when journalists, especially cisgender journalists, cover stories about trans people poorly, but I also give the love when people in my profession do well. And Mariah Belinget of the Washington Post did quite well a few days last week in her story on Fisher Wells, the 13-year-old kid in middle school student in Kentucky, young trans girl who, who wanted to play field hockey. Her school didn't have a team, so she put together a team for the school got other girls involved, and then was told, you can't play because Kentucky passed one of those ridiculous cut-and-paste ADF-built trans student-athlete bans. But this story didn't, get in, didn't dig so much into the debate. Instead, they introduced you to this young girl. They introduced you to her parents and to her friends. And you learn things like how the kid, how the kids on her team and the parents of the other kids didn't run to outkick and Breitbart saying ugly things about Fisher Wells. They closed ranks, and instead they swung up for their teammate who was told she couldn't play. Every time they scored a goal, the kids would yell out for Fisher. 
That's empathy. That's solidarity. That's the best of sport. And Ms. Belinga brought that out. You rocked on that story. I salute you. And Fisher Wells, you rocked too. And that's what has me frustrated, especially as throughout this country, school children are heading back to school. They have been for the last few weeks, and there's going to be a large number that have headed back. In fact, where I live, school started in most areas over these last couple of days. So I've seen a lot of kids huddled up waiting for buses and walking with their backpacks, heading into a new school year. And I have friends who are teachers, one such, want to throw a shout out to Samantha Norman, a dear friend of mine who, for the last four years as a student at the University of Hartford, her and I were it, were a part of the Vagina Monologues cast at UH for the last four years. Last two years, she directly she directed the show and was my producer on my part of the show. So we worked together, close together a lot. She's walking into a classroom for the first time as a rookie teacher, heading into her first year. She rocks. I salute her. And she's going to walk into a classroom, and perhaps there's a trans kid there. And I can tell you, with Ms. Norman as a teacher, you're in a safe spot. And I want every kid, cis or trans, to walk into a school and know they're in a safe place. When laws like this are passed, and when people are using this issue to try and make political points and bring their ugliness, whether it's on a campaign trailer in the comment section, it makes our world and it makes our playing fields less safe. So there's my glasnost today. And I'm looking for other people to also. Be open, be open enough to be empathetic, but also be open enough to show solidarity. And yes, sports fans, I'm talking to you. Hashtag just same. Now, even with some of the, the anger that I have right now and the frustration I have, to quote Droopy Dog, you know what? I'm happy. Here's why. It takes the snap, looks to throw, fires, end zone, punt, touchdown, Donnie Navarro. Back corner of the end zone, jumped up, got a beat, foot down, and Northwestern takes the lead, now 16 to 14, as Porter in the Wildcat takes the snap, tries to find his hole, darts towards the two, and lunges over the goal line to the touchdown. Cam Porter from the Wildcat finds the end zone in his first game back, and the Wildcats are back within a score, it's 28-23. Polinski hands it to him. Makes a man miss. Gets into the end zone. Touchdown, Cats. Back out in front. Thompson takes the snap. Looks, throws over the middle. Tipped and intercepted. Wade Gallagher intercepted. Northwestern was going to come out of Ireland with a victory. What they call week zero of the college football season. There were games on the docket. One of those, Northwestern, my alma mater, 31. Nebraska, 28 at the Aerolingus Classic in Dublin last weekend. And a big shout out to the WNUR sports crew at Northwestern University. Andrew Neville, Margaret Fleming, and Michael Barth were on the call of the game. 
And if you want to hear the entire game, got it in the liner notes. And a special shout out to WNUR Sports. I'm not just a fan of you. I'm also an alum of you. Class of 1993. Just saying, go Cats. And that leads us to our guest this week because it's that time of year again. Football. Coach Fitzgerald, thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my purple and white heart for that win. But that means Northwestern technically, technically is the best team in college football, at least for week zero. But in week one, everyone comes to play. And week later, the NFL comes to play. Another run to another road to a Super Bowl ahead as we speak, the final cuts are being are being made and the rosters get down to 53. So we've decided to bring together some knowledgeable trans minds on football to preview this season. Joining me this week, my NFL, the transporter room, NFL analyst from Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio, Shauna Atkinson and our college and the transporter room, college football and adult film analyst Chelsea Poe, rep from currently in San Francisco by way of the great state of Michigan. Wolverine fan all the way, leaders and best. Both of you, double beams up. Welcome to the transporter room. Energize. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm well, so excited to be on. I'm in the great Big Ten state of California. <laughs> it's terrific. That's what you great. think of. You okay. think Big Ten football. You think how? Yeah, exactly. Okay, Every time I, I look wanna, outside. Let's go there. Let's go there right now. USC and UCLA in the Big Ten? It's now a little bigger. And so, yeah, I thought, what an interesting decision as tradition doesn't seem to matter as much in the formerly tradition strong Big Ten. It's dumb. I love it. I love that. Like, I get to go to, like, maybe a Michigan game or two a year and stay in the state. I really it's so much that. more convenient. Yeah. Um, um, Notre Dame will join. Just get, them, get everyone in. You know, they always I, say if you're not Ohio, you're nowhere. Apparently, that's the Big Ten. I wanted to address this because I usually hate Notre Dame. Second behind Ohio State. Ohio State's right here, right under us, Notre Dame. But Marcus Friedman has made them so cool this year that I kind of want to like them, and I really hate that. It, my my Cleveland Browns drafting Jeremiah Wusu koromoa last year was definitely something that really made me a fan because he's amazing. <laughs> now... See, I don't know. I have. A, why do I get the feeling that college football is just going to become won't even have conferences in five or ten years? It'll just be the college football union, and it'll be like you know those top sixty or so programs all slugging it out. I mean, which means Northwestern will probably be in the somewhere, maybe in like whatever they call it, the foot, whatever they call <laughs> the football championship subdivision. In that time, I think Northwestern may move there. Probably. Even though I'm, yeah. even though I'm pretty, even though I'm pretty happy right now, I'm I'm dreaming the dream. I'm seeing us at the Big Ten championship game. <laughs> winning, I mean, winning the West Division. 
I was honestly shocked. We talked about this in Twitter recently that you're like, oh yeah, Northwestern went to the Big Ten Championship twice. And I'm like, wait, how? <laughs> what years? I have no memory of that. It doesn't well, seem like LA. Right? Well, I believe it can't be. It's Wisconsin or like Minnesota well, or something. There was one year when they had the 10 win year a few years back when Northwestern was a very, was a very good team that year. Um including a win over a certain team from Ann Arbor. Yeah, I've probably <laughs> blacked that out. Everything yeah, including before. That win, including that win. Unfortunately, we had to play Ohio State, and we got and we got killed as expected. And then in the COVID year, because of the way that all shook out, Northwestern won the West Division, and Ohio State won the East Division. And that was See, that's what out. happened in the COVID year. Yeah, in the COVID year. Because remember, the COVID year, you had the short schedule. Yeah, Michigan won like two games, and then the entire team got COVID, and they stopped playing football. Yeah. Northwestern <laughs> won the Northwestern <laughs> right? won the West Division that year by a game. And that's then, so crazy. And Ohio State only played five games. Technically, was not eligible for the oh my god playoff. That's totally come back to me. And they weren't even supposed to be in the Big Ten championship game. And they just like wrote a new rule the week of the Michigan game when it got canceled. They're like, no, Ohio State can. It's fine. Yeah. And then oh my god, I forgot that could have put Northwestern in college football playoff that year. I just can't physically like. Think of Northwestern players next to Alabama players in the college football playoff. Like it just doesn't work in my head. It it does feel almost like a junior college at that point. Like you're like, mm-hmm. oh. whoa, junior college. Whoa, <laughs> but it's true though. Like I'm looking forward to that terrible. Northwestern Allegheny game. Look, <laughs> and that would look very similar to a Northwestern <laughs> Alabama game. <laughs> really, it really would. <laughs> My my for, my forever alumna, Allegheny College. The Allegheny Gators. Because Allegheny Alligators. Mm. I didn't name you, it. The, the famous alligators, the Pennsylvania. Actually, there are famous alligators from Pennsylvania. Oh my god. Lizards. They're little like lizards that are called the Allegheny Alligators. Wait, there's actual lizards in Pennsylvania. Absolutely, yeah. But starting off with the college game. Yeah. Because we have this big week coming up where everybody's playing. It's Labor Day weekend. What game are you going to immediately stop doing everything that Saturday to watch? So college football is the only sport I get this hard about because um, being from Michigan, obviously the Detroit Lions are terrible. So like no one other than unless you're like super like a masochist and just want to suffer all the time, you don't really get into the NFL. So I've always been obsessed with college football. Um, Every single Saturday, I just watch college football and like clean my house every single Saturday and like purposely make no plans. And my partner finally kind of gets it without me being like, I can't do anything. Um, So this week, Notre Dame, Ohio State's huge. Like Ohio State's probably a humiliate Notre Dame as Notre Dame gets humiliated in every major game they get in. But if they don't, just imagine the hype behind Marcus Freeman week one beating Ohio State in Columbus. It would be incredibly embarrassing for Ohio State. I I want it so bad. I want it. Like, it's definitely the game I'm looking for. Like, I think is going to be a very good matchup. And I think it's probably not going to go that way because... No, it's going to be humiliating. 
that the Ohio State offense is just too good. Like at the end of the day. Well, that that that's one of the points for me. There, C.J. Stroud is has been incredible. And he's um, possible. I mean, Heisman. he's your Heisman Heisman front runner going in, but. I, I think it's so unfair to Bryce Young, though. He just won the Heisman, and he's back. But only one other player has ever repeated as a Heisman winner. So the odds that are is true. stacked against him to repeat. So he's already has all that pressure. I don't think he does it. And the, and I, I just... Bama. It's just so... They keep doing things that are, like, unthinkable. That I just put nothing past Bama. And, like, Nick Saban could easily, if there's any coach... She's gonna have a someone to do that. I think it's gonna be Nick Saban. That's true. I could see it, you know, and that's fair. And I think he would probably take it as a point of pride to be the coach of that quarterback. Yep. I could see him trying to make that explicitly happen for that reason because he's that guy. He's so petty. I mean, all the stuff with him and Jimbo. Holy shit! Oh come on, the the stuff with him and Dion. Mm-hmm. Oh. Why is he going after Dion? Like, there's no reason for that. One question about Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman, young coach. Young African-American head coach. Remember the last time Notre Dame had one? Yeah. He didn't get the five years. Will Marcus Fre- Will we see Marcus Freeman on the sidelines in South Bend five years from now? No. Okay, why do you say no? I think if it goes well, I think he's going to run into the same thing as Brian Kelly and just dip. Like, Ooh, I don't know. That's an interesting. No, I mean, why... there's something to be said about, I don't, Notre Dame is very a certain way. And I could see him wanting to move on from that environment. Yeah. It's just so much pressure too. Mm-hmm. Like the NBC thing you're on every single week. It's still like everyone wants to put Notre Dame on a pedestal no matter what. Like they're a halfway decent team one year and everyone's like, this might be the greatest Notre Dame team of all time. This year's team. Who is saying that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where are you hearing this? Because I'm not buying it. I'm not. I don't think it's this year, but I think just in general, though, the hype of any Notre Dame team that wins 10 games, it gets to the point where it's like, this might be one of the greatest Notre Dame teams of all. I mean, like, look how they treated Manti Teo's Notre Dame team when they went into Bama. People were like, oh, yeah, this is Notre Dame coming back to glory. And then they just got, like, destroyed by Bama in the first quarter and the game was over. Also, a note note about Manti Teo. His story is part of the Netflix series. Oh, it's I really good. Watch that. I've heard very good things. I have is watched it. it. It's good. I'm going to give people two sport pick hits. Watch Untold. Watch that one. Watch the one on Caitlyn Jenner. Watch the one on the on the Malice the Palace. Ooh, yeah, that was excellent. Oh yeah, watch yeah. that one. That's as a big NBA fan. That oh, I remember. No, if if you want to. Oh. There was a lot of inside to that that blew my mind. You want to watch that one. And the one on Manti Tail, which was actually really well done. Really well put together. I mean, it's the first time you've really heard Manti really break it down. What happened? Mm-hmm. What went down? And there's a there's a twist to this that I didn't see. 
Interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize it in the start. And then it's like the first few minutes of the movie and you're like, oh, this is the whole thing. Oh, I didn't realize this. Well, first off, I didn't realize that it was like a close friend who is behind all this and had no idea. I, all I can say is, I'm not going to give the spoil. No spoiler alerts needed. You got to watch it. All right. And, and the Leo Baker documentary. Watch it. All right. All right. Watch it. Really good. Really no, good. Really excellent. And just a note to Transporter Room Nation, we are working to get Leo Baker here to talk about, to give us the, in, the, the, give us the ins and outs on the decision they made. Because that was a huge decision that, they, that, that he made to move forward. I mean, there's a lot of, it, we all know because we've been there, the decisions we made and, you know, the, the algorithms and the calculus of how and why you transition and what may, and what seals your decision. I mean, it's one thing to judge the things that most of us judge, but you're thinking, I got a shot in Olympic medal. I got a shot at the Olympics and I'm willing to give that all uh, I'm. I can't put that on hold and don't want to to move forward to a gold medal for my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, that there's a lot there and there's a lot to look at and that's a lot to respect. So, you know, if you get a chance, check that out in addition to checking out the other stuff. But I'm speaking of it since you mentioned Brian, since you mentioned the good Mr. Kelly, the former Notre Dame coach. He's got a night. He's got a nationally televised one Sunday night. LSU, Florida State, two programs looking <laughs> to reestablish themselves. Poor Florida State. I mean, it's it, it's just like every few years, it's like, are they going to come back and rebuild? And it's always like, no. They'll always have the 90s. They'll yeah. always have the 90s. But you I mean, the thing. The 90s are great. You know, clueless. <laughs> Florida State, and now Nebraska. Oh, <laughs> the nineties. The teams with oh, with Phillips running. Oh, that was. Oh, you you don't have to tell me. I was there. I was covering it during that time. I was up close and personal with a lot of that. See, that's one thing. I want to. I want to look something up preseason. I want to look this up real here. Preseason top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go back twenty-five years. Great. I love this. 1997. This was your... This was like the first season I was super, like, awareness. I was was born 91, so... This was your preseason college football poll, 1997. 25 years, 25 seasons ago. Number one was Penn State. Huh. Number two, Florida. Number three, Florida State. Nine teams got first place votes in that opening poll. Was that wow. Dan- was that Danny Werfel's era? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, number four. Number four with was Washington. Yeah. Number four was Washington. Number five was Tennessee. Reminder, Peyton Manning's. Oh, my God. It's Tennessee. Tennessee. It's so crazy that like Tennessee used to be. Your six. Notable. <laughs> yeah. Your six was Nebraska. Your seven was North Carolina. Eight Colorado, nine Ohio State with one vote. By the way, the two teams that ended up at the top, because it was a split championship that year, 
One was Nebraska. The other one was the was number fourteen Michigan. Yeah, that's my awareness into the world was literally during that season. <laughs> and and here's a real wild one. Guess who was behind one 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 place behind Michigan to start the the ninety seven season? Alabama. Interesting. Yeah, that's when they were down though. I mean, and the amazing thing is, just all these. I mean, Northwestern moving the poll the next week. So this was a. I. But that's one thing. You look at teams like Florida State, and you look at Florida. Look at there are some people say Miami could be in the college football playoff. It's been a while. It has been a while, and. How has Alabama avoid? Do you think first? How has Alabama? You think avoided the trap that has hurt so many perennial powers now, because they haven't they haven't been down they haven't been down in a decade. Last year was yeah. the down year to many. Yeah, people. rebuilding but, year. Yeah, <laughs> a rebuilding year, but they still got to the national championship game. And yep. yeah, like yep. It's just, yeah, it's a rebuilding year for Alabama. I mean, there's really no dominance like this. I mean, it started in, I was still in high school, so it was like 20, 2008, 2009, they beat Texas, right? And it's just like, it just keeps continuing and just building on top of itself. And it's really crazy because there's really been nothing like this in college football history. Very true. And like, and you know, and I grew up as an Alabama fan. And so seeing where they were then versus you know, in the decades before, and now that you've seen this, this almost unparalleled streak of dominance mm-hmm. we've had recently. Do you know Alabama lost to Hawaii? I did not know that. In- yeah, I was watching something a few days ago, and it was like 2003, I think. They went to Honolulu and lost to Hawaii. Gosh, and that seems like, I mean... A- right? <laughs> absolutely unfathomable today to think of that yeah it just goes to show how even these great powerhouse teams aren't always incapable of having those down like Mm -hmm. eras but nick saban really changed all that yeah here's the wild thing i remember when i first met nick saban i first met nick saban in 1995 back when he was coached on the browns no back when he was coached at michigan state (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. No, because he was early '90s. He was on those Bill Belichick teams. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. he was an assistant I, coach. Then he he became the coach at Michigan State. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I I love talking to you because you can just bring up someone like you'll just be like I'll mention Desmond Howard and you're like oh yeah Desmond this and that I'm like How to me you? I'm like he is a god. <laughs> Oh, oh, Desmond's the man, though. Yeah, I love Desmond. But no, but you look at, I mean, but that's one thing. Alabama, in many ways, has not. That's another thing for both of you. How much will name, like, will, will the whole name image licensing issue affect who becomes competitive, who drops back, who moves forward? Because now everybody's jumping in this race. You know, and I think you can see maybe some more teams that you don't traditionally see as the teams, knowing that you can make a name for yourself during the at those schools. I can see that being a major factor moving forward, honestly. 
Like, because you don't have to go to to an Ohio State, Alabama to make sure everyone knows you, gets your jersey sold. Now you can promote yourself. You can go to these very big college schools and actually make money just like the colleges are making off of them. Yeah, I mean, even a lot of these, like, second-tier college teams have national, like, figures, like Coastal Carolina's quarterback, super notable. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Zach Wilson a few years ago at BYU? Like, there's these right. national figures who are at these second-tier schools that you're not like, oh, yeah, BYU, that you're going to get so much exposure, but there's these teams who are getting spotlights who you would never really assume would. Well, I... I... For myself, I wouldn't mind seeing Northwestern get a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing seeing Northwestern at a Rose Bowl again. For your sake, I hope so. They keep playing the way they keep playing the way they did Saturday. They may have a shot. Um, one game I'm looking at because this is an interesting one. I'm looking at because this game could be kind of this game could be a trap game. We got a trap game here. Number eight, Michigan against Colorado State. Don't say that. That's that's so rude. Now y'all have a little problem with team teams that have state in their name to start a season. That's not even true. That's not true. I don't It's not untrue. Well what 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 school did they open up against to a state in the name? Appalachian. That's a lot. Wait, was that the? Yeah, that was the fucking open. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. We're you know, get... like every time I see that come across my timeline on like Twitter or whatever, it like straight up is a trigger moment. I'm like, I need to scroll past that. Actually, that the I'm... Michigan State fumble. There's like one or two other ones. I'm just like, I can't handle that. It. I feel the same way anytime John Elway comes on the screen. I'm just like, can we just? Move back. <laughs> I'm good here. Thank you. Oh, oh, come on. We are, see. I'm with you on that one because I can't. St- oh, I wanted Cleveland so bad in all those games. I the drive game. The drive game tore me apart. The fumble game was brutal. Absolutely brutal. That like, just that just hurt. You know, and I like you know, growing up with like the the Bernie Bernie song, like for Bernie Kosar, yeah. all of that, like. <laughs> by the way, good Bernie. By the way, another thing, another another current pop culture reference right here. Paper Girls on Amazon. One of the characters is wearing a very long Bernie Kosar jersey. I love that. <laughs> Rocking the Bernie coat. I'm gonna pull off. Actually, no serious, no real upset specials because Michigan's gonna butcher Colorado State. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why are you putting that into the world? That's so cruel. <laughs> Michigan's gonna butcher <laughs> you. I like me no, on your podcast. No, and you no, do that to I me. I will say a possible upset alert here. I will. I will say if if okay. just napping against Oregon, Georgia can get beat. Mm, That's a right. I, I feel like that falls under the same category. Georgia's gonna be awfully tough this year. See, did you yeah, see what Georgia, Georgia did to Georgia, Michigan? Yes, I did, but I also know like, what happens. But I also know what happens that Georgia teams sometimes get a little bit of brain fade. They think they're they think they're better than what they are, and that can get you beat. Oh, by the way, one one upset I I kind of see coming: Central Connecticut against UConn on Saturday. I'm actually going to that game. Central Con, I'll say it right now: CCSU FCS team will beat Connecticut. Yeah, probably the team from hot, the team from just down the street from me in hot hitting New Britain. 
will beat the Connecticut will beat Connecticut Huskies football. Jim Moore yeah. Jr., I'm sorry. Don't lose that one. It's so sad with Connecticut. They used to be like they were never good, but I remember like looking and being like, oh, there used to be a 25 by their name or something, or a 24. No, Connecticut stick to basketball. Very inter- <laughs> I mean, there's some interest. That is oh, a very interesting you. game. That Monday night game, Clemson, Georgia Tech. See, you know, that's the question. How, that's the question. How good is Clemson really? How good are they? Really? I don't think they're that good. I think they're very, very, very overrated. Same with USC and Texas. Interesting. Because that's one thing. Because, well, a lot of people are talking about the quarterback they have. And if you follow QB1 on Netflix, you know the kid. And, uh, I mean, DJ Ugalele, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just, He's not Deshaun Watson. I'm glad he's getting his money, though. He's in, like, every commercial I feel like I watch during a game. I'm like, oh. He's making money here and there. Like, even if he's not very good. That's the red alert clock. You know what that means. Got to take a little break. Give love to the sponsors. When we come back, more with Chelsea Poe and Shauna Atkinson as we look at the upcoming NFL season and we look at love of sports, love of ourselves, and love of the people we love. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay Webb. I am joined by Chelsea Poe, Transporter Room College Football Analyst, and Shauna Atkinson, Transporter Room Pro Football Analyst, leaving the <laughs> college football section of it from all of you. Who do you see in the CFP? Who you got? Okay, I have Utah, Alabama, Georgia. In Michigan, because if I say anything else, my family won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> Utah. Uh, okay, so no, I'm gonna write. The, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure I get this down. So, Chelsea, you have got you the Utes winning the Big Twelve, winning the yeah. 12. I I really like Utah. I like they're a genuinely really good team year after year, and they never get any credit. And I don't think Oregon's gonna be great this year. And I think. USC is not going to be good enough to win. Um, is it the, how do they do it? The mountain? How do they break down the, um, there's a oh, the South and North. Division. Yeah. North and yeah, South. Yeah. 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 I don't think USC has it in to win the South. I don't think they're going to be together enough this year that they're just like trying to plug in people from Oklahoma and just like bring half and just bring the quarterback over and the coach over and just think it's all good, just going to work. I just don't believe that. Shauna, who do you, who do you have? I think it's going to be Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson. So basically just kind of going, in a sense, sort of chalk from the last few years. Last yeah. year notwithstanding. Now. I think it's going to be a return to the 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 old standbys. 
So you think Clemson's real this year? You think they have think it together? They're gonna have a good year. I think they're going to step back up. See me. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go in a sense different from both of you. I agree on Alabama. I think that they're it's hard. That yeah. they're. I mean, it's it's hard to bet against them. I don't know. I I see a second SEC team getting there. I do not believe Georgia's that team. Ooh, I right. do not believe Don't down Stenson Bennett. Team's got film on him now. Now we're going to see what this kid can do when he's not sneaking up on people. Now people have tape on you. And it's a whole different deal when people have more tape. I like Texas A&M. All right. I really like Texas A&M. I think if there's going to be a second SEC team, it's going to be them. Then I don't know. It's going to be then. <laughs> this is what's going to be rough. The, the way the Big Ten could shake out. The Big Ten could get two bids or none. I, I agree with that. I the think bi- it, the Big Ten could easily get two bids or no bid. I think Ohio State will go through so much talent. They will go through. But this final bid, I'm vexed for this final one. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm willing to roll the dice on this one. Miami. All right. Wow. I'm willing to roll that dice. Of Ohio or Florida? 90s. Miami. No, Miami, Florida. Oh, Florida. I think Mario Cristobal can get. Mario Cristobal has put together. It's not so much that he's the head coach. It's the staff he's put together. He basically brought back old school Miami, put him in his coaches. Ed Reed is your defensive backs coach. Ooh, Damn. I did not know that. That's yeah, Ed wow. Reed, That's really cool. Ed, Ed yeah. Reed is coaching your DBs. <laughs> probably the best DB that probably the best DB that Miami produced. Oh. And that's high yeah. praise from a school that cranks that cranked them out mm-hmm. for 20 years. Having watched far too many AFC North games, he is he's amazing. Like he was a, just an absolute great safety. Oh, oh, he was a oh just, you, you hated playing you those right. duels between him and him and Heinz Ward are classic. They are. Mm. Now, with no, that mind, another player you hated to play against. Now, at, with that mind, switching gears, going to the pro game, going into the pro game, and and Sean, I'm going to go right to it. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I'm going to go. The, we oh go my god! We go in there right now. Back to the Cleveland Browns, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, please. We're right now. Oh We're my god! Now. First off. Will we see? Will we see Deshaun Watson in a Browns uniform playing this season? Absolutely. Yeah, we are going to see. <laughs> him I believe uh, he's coming back for the Houston Texans game, and you know that he is going to be incredibly motivated, for better or for worse, to make it for that game. But here, I know I have many compl- I, <laughs> you know, you know, if you can go to sixty-six massage therapists and have them sign non-disclosure agreements, I think it only stands to reason. What could possibly be going that's not on the up and up? It's ridiculous. Well, I'm maybe oh my god beyond the accusations. Okay, beyond all the things that have come out in a football sense, I think he's going to be a very, I think he's going to be a positive influence, and I think Cleveland's receiver core is potentially shaky. Like you've got former Alabama standout Amari Cooper at the one, but then some question marks. Uh, Michigan's own Donovan Peoples Jones at two. Like, and I really, I know he was very hit or miss in college, but I think he's shown a lot of promise. Oh, I thought he was amazing in college. Um, 
the way I follow the NFL is like how I follow most um like movies or celebrity things where I'll still bits and pieces. And I'll be like, oh, I know them from that show. That was college football, basically. So I in my mind, he's great. Okay. In my mind, like anyone who was really good in college, I'm like, they're probably the MVP of the league by now. See, oh, I, I might slow <laughs> that down a bit, but I think he'll actually have a very productive third season this year. Like, I think he's going to establish himself as the second wide receiver. See, my personal feeling about the Browns, see, because I root for a team in that division. You do that old that old AFC Central. I'm a I'm a Steelers fan. So. I know you are. Oh, really? I am a Steeler. I am a lifelong. I've been a Steelers fan for God. This is 45 years of Steelers fandom for me. And number one, I I felt the Browns made a huge mistake in getting rid of Baker Mayfield. I don't agree with that's that. That's my I, that's my yeah. Feeling. I I think trading Baker was a good decision. I think he had worn his welcome out. For the, with the coaching staff in the front office because he is a very large personality. And I yes. think that has absolutely, that's some the kind of guy you can, when things are going well, you can tolerate it and it's good. But when it's not, it really shined a glaring light on all of his flaws. And last year there were a lot of flaws and he was a very not good quarterback. And I think that if the Browns can get even league average play from Jacoby Brissett in those first 12 games, I think you're going to see the Browns hold forth at about 500. Well, here's a question. If Jacoby Brissett does a little bit better than 500, i.e. you're in the wild card hunt. Do you pull him for Deshaun Watson, who has not played it down all season? Every every day and twice on Sunday, you have to get uh, that. As much as I'm sure he will be lauded and celebrated in both the fandom and in the locker room, I think you don't trade for a star quarterback like Deshaun Watson and give up all of that money and all of those draft picks. Yeah, just but, to sit him but up. here's the question: Deshaun Watson has not played a great deal in almost two years. No, he has not. Is he still a star? Because I'm not, I'll admit, um, if you gave me buy or sell on Deshaun Watson, when Deshaun Watson came out of Clemson, remember his national championship game yeah. where, where they beat, oh, yeah. remember his beat two Bama. national championship games against Alabama. Alabama won those games, but Deshaun, but they didn't beat Deshaun Watson. That's true. He was the best mm-hmm. boy ever. He was. And then in the national championship game his senior year, he showed out. He showed out. When I saw that, my first thought was, my thought after that game was, attention, to, I even emailed Dan Rooney and said, do whatever you have to do, trade whoever you have to trade. He, this is the future after Ben Roethlisberger. This is our guy. I want him in a Steelers uniform. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. Get me Deshaun, Deshaun Watson coming out of college pass boy ever. Then he got kind of got jerked around in the horror show in, te- in Houston. He did. That was and a horror show when he got there. Also, going back to his draft, I think it's worth noting that the Houston Texans traded up with the Cleveland Browns to pick Deshaun Watson. The Browns turned him down. They could have just taken him outright, but chose not to at the time. Of course, yeah. different, that was a different like general manager regime, and Andrew Barry does seem to really 
know his stuff as a general manager. See, my thing is, though, but to me, that's one of the reasons why you don't get all the things you talked about with Baker Mayfield. To me, is the reason why you don't give him up. Mm. Yeah, I know Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is what we would call a wicked pisser in New England. He is a little bit of a. He's a little bit of a. He's a little bit of a prick, just a little bit. Yeah, but you want that good. in your quarterback. That's you like the like, archetype that Cleveland quarterbacks are. They're like white boy pricks who probably hang out with Drake. Like, look at Johnny Manziel. Look at it's the same personality type. Not Drake, come on. Hell. He was big on the he gets us scale, that he was seen as this guy that Cleveland could really rally behind and it's, you know, very blue collarness, like and I think that people like I I had a Baker Mayfield jersey that <laughs> I don't know what to do with. See, yeah, I also I like had a Raylan Edwards jersey going back to Michigan. Oh the best. My my friend ended up wearing it with um those foam thing hands because he had hands of rocks. But but okay. I that one year with Derek Anderson was so good. But I I digress. No, bring no. back Tim Couch. Bring oh, him back. Bring him back. Tim Couch was could have absolutely succeeded if he didn't get absolutely destroyed behind those early offensive lines. Well, see, just that, bring him back now. He's probably like 55. Just bring him back. But you see that, but you see, that's the thing with Cleveland. Y'all the Browns went through a lot of quarterbacks. Spurgeon win. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Spurgeon yeah. Spurgeon win. Spurgeon win. The McCown, multiple McCowns. Yeah. You have both. You probably had like three McCowns in there. You probably had Gus Ferrat at some point. Oh, there was no Gus Ferrat. You didn't have Vinny. Everyone else got everyone else got a Gus Perot. You had Vinny for a minute. Oh, we had Vin- Oh, we definitely had Vinny. We definitely um Jeff Garcia. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I remember playing NFL Street and Jeff Garcia was Brown's <laughs> quarterback. Jeff Garcia. Come on. As to quote Terrence uh, to quote Terrell Owens, that's my quarterback, man. <laughs> now, so in the AFC, but in the AFC North, yes, that division because that is a tough division. The I think the Ravens come out, out of nowhere to make yeah. the Super Bowl. The, now, there's a lot of people who are who are saying buy heavy on the Steelers. I don't know. I I'm don't not. Know. I'm a Steelers fan. <laughs> is that you? <laughs> no, no. It's it's been all over. Oh, come on. I mean, Greeny, Ryan Clark, um, a lot of people think Nate Burleson from the NFL Network. Oh, of course, they have Ryan been Clark selling. They've so. been selling heavy, <laughs> heavy Pittsburgh. You know, Joe Thomas is really big on the Cleveland Browns. It is the <laughs> obviously. Well, Nate didn't play. Nate was never a. No, Steve. Nate. No, Nate. Nate was a Brown though. Yeah, it's like maybe that. Would, like, but the thing is, that is a tough division. It is. It's that a, is a very difficult very division. And I think the the Browns are easily going to need to go 500, which is not going to be easy. Like you got to hope you take two from Pittsburgh and can split with Baltimore and Cincinnati. Wait a minute, I know, I know you aren't speaking sacrilege on the Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga River right now. You're hey, not taking two from Pittsburgh. You know, it's also a river that catches fire. Let's be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> we cleaned it up like the negative state. Oh, oh, okay. Hey. 
Cleveland is not a super fun site anymore. It's a very, it is a very nice upscale city now. Oh, it, that it, was it, a super fun site. It's well, very fun. fun. You got the, hey, it is fun. You got your rock, you got your rock and roll hall of roll fame. fame. You got Stonewall Sports Dodgeball. You've got that beautiful area. Jacobs Field. Yeah, you got the, the queue. Uh, and you got all those great restaurants. When I actually there, I'm game past both of those now at this point. <laughs> So the Rocket Mortgage Field House, the Romo. Field. Oh, yeah, the Rocket Mortgage Mortgage Field House. I'm getting sick of all the of all of these like you know people getting naming rights. I agree. Because oh, I'm not I sure. AccuSure Stadium. I like what Pittsburgh uh, Dad said. I AccuSure. I'm not calling it that. <laughs> Well, I mean, First Energy, fresh off their immense amount of scandals in the energy department in Ohio, like are the owning rights of Cleveland, of former Cleveland Brown Stadium. It's now First Energy Stadium. Now, general question going beyond yeah. going beyond here. Best team in the NFL right now. If you had to say, if you had to say best, just best single team. All right, best single team and best single player because recently they came out with the top hundred. Ooh, see, that's such a tough question because do you go with someone like do you go with the quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers who's just absolutely amazing, and we're gonna have to see what he can do without Devonte Adams now that he's in Las Vegas this year. And you can't discount the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady like. Trust me, we've all tried, and I think he's going to want to show up for this last season. Josh, what do you think? I think Kansas City is probably the best team. You know, like down here last year too. Speaking, yeah. Um, I always get, I always watch like the playoffs of the NFL, like all the inner working drama during college football season. I can't follow. I'm just like I have to stay on one focused weird thing that doesn't make any sense for a multitude of reasons with no reason. Like, why are they playing in Ireland? I don't know. They just are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Lamar Jackson's like the best player in the NFL. I just think everything he can do is just truly amazing. And I feel like we're all like really blessed to be able to watch him play. I, I was very upset that he got drafted by Baltimore. And I think, I think the Ravens are going to have a very good year because Lamar Jackson saw all of that guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got, and he wants that himself. And frankly, as a quarterback who does as much running as he does, I don't blame him. I'd want to protect myself and the, that kind of invested on yourself myself, too. I think the Ravens yeah. have a really great year. I think the Bengals actually take a little bit of a step back. I think they have a Super Bowl hangover season. I would be yeah. inclined to agree with that. I think best, I think best, best team in the league? Best team in the league? God, that is all. That's it's a, a rough really one. tough question because I think that's a rough one because all these teams. I think the best team in the league coming back into the season is Kansas City. I think, and, but even I they th- lost Tyreek Hill this season. Yeah. So that is true. Well, I'll tell you what. I think in some ways that can be addition by subtraction. Interesting. I think that can be an addition by subtraction because at times Kansas City was too much dependent on Tyreek Hill. Just like I think, unfortunately, Miami. I think Miami's going to be very dependent on Tyreek. Well, they're going to have to because Tua's going to need zero. And and if they're now most overrated team, team I think is the probably most overrated team in the league right now is Miami. 
I'm not buying the Dolphins. I don't buy Tua Tagovailoa yet. I don't either. I, I don't, don't buy him. I, I think they will miss the playoffs this year. All right. I think actually, I think the best team is, is I think the Chiefs by a small margin. Okay. But I think, and I think, I don't know. He's the best player, but he's the player I enjoy watching the most, and that's Patrick Mahomes. I think that's... I enjoy watching him. Yeah. If He's... it's not the right answer, it might like you can't argue that it isn't. Yeah. Like, now, like now you mentioned Lamar Jackson. I think the biggest issue with Lamar Jackson is the best way to protect a quarterback like like Lamar Jackson is give him good targets to throw to. And I'm not buying Rashad Bateman. I don't buy. You have a bunch of number two and three receivers, and you don't have a clear. And when you don't, you don't have a clear number one. I think he, trading Marquise Brown was a mistake, in my personal. Oh, opinion. I thought that was a huge. I thought that was a big miss. I saw the two of them connect or near connect so many times last season. You know, like Marquise Brown saved my fantasy. He either saved or sunk my fantasy weeks multiple times last year. He was very. He just had that boomer bust ability. Well, and I, I think Brown ended up going to the team I think will be the sleeper of this season. Your NFC Championship game will be Arizona-Tampa Bay. Okay. It'll be, okay. I, will, I will call that NFC Championship game. I just really think offensively, they've got, a, they've got a Wii Xbox PlayStation offense that can put points on the board. Now, the big question is, can their defense stop anybody? If they can, this is going to be a fun year. I think this is going to be a fun year in Arizona. I really buy. I really buy into the fact that the Cardinals made moves to give Kyler Murray weapons. So and give him weapons. AJ Green is a number three receiver, but AJ Green's very old. Like I think he's. I think he's on. AJ Green is a more of a name than a than a player ability. I'm not buying. I'm not buying the too old thing yet because I just because I remember a certain player who who the Cardinals got who the Cardinals had. They also said was too old, and then like and there, his, oh, there's a lot of them. Like, are you talking about Emmett Smith? Are you talking about Kurt no, Warner? Are you talking well, about talking, <laughs> well? Well, first off, they got Kurt Warner off the scrap heap. Went to a Super Bowl. He did, but I'm that is true. About, but I'm talking about the guy who nearly won that Super Bowl for them. And that was Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald played some of his best football after age 30. That is true. And, you know, he does have a very, like, Larry Fitzgerald was such an accomplished route runner. And I think that's the kind of thing that you can really, well, you can age into even when the athletic abilities start to fade. But that's the thing. The athletic, the athletic ability wasn't going. He's still, sure. I mean, yeah, you're, not, you're not you're not going to be blazing it like like a Marquise Brown, no. But let me put it this way: in his third in in his thirty at thirty five thirty six years old, he still wasn't getting caught from behind. That is true. He still he still could rip off a 50, 60 yard gain off of nothing. That's the true mark, and I think AJ's not done. I think, in fact, this will be the thing that may extend his career. If AJ had stayed in Cincinnati, his career is over after maybe he he's not getting to age thirty four. And I think Cincinnati has so many young wide receivers that I think he didn't make a lot of sense in that wide receiver. No, he didn't because his his cachet is just going to take playing time away from a lot of players who I think arguably just a little bit more deserve the opportunity more. But I see another Anquan Bolden with AJ. 
I think mm. that AJ, I think, I think you're going to have another, you're going to have a big, a big target who can still stretch some field against a lot of people. Because the fact of the matter is defensive play in the NFL is not, defensive backfield play in the NFL isn't, this is some of the worst defensive backfield play you've seen in this league in 30 years, in about, since the yeah. 80s. I it's don't, really crazy. I don't see the great, come on, we were talking about Ed Reed a second ago. That's true. How many Ed Reeds are in the NFL now? Not many. Very true. I mean, there weren't very many Ed Reeds back when Ed Reed played either. To well, bad. I don't know, because <laughs> I'll put it this way. Ed Reed shared a defense with a, with a couple Hall of Famers. Well, that's true. Ed Reed, I mean, remember, I mean, and then, that's how they won their Super Bowl. It was yeah. You had Ed Reed, Ed Reed and Rod Woodson. Mm. favorite. And Damn, that. Baltimore defense. Rob, Rob Woodson, okay. who I think is the best Woodson and who's think best Woodson playing defensive back in the history of the NFL. Sorry, Rod. <laughs> wow, gosh, that Sorry. is a Sorry, Rod. What's what's up with the personal attacks? <laughs> I no, actually, I'm a huge. I don't fan. understand this. I'm a. I know, no, I'm. I'm a huge fan of all the Woodsons. Charles was incredible. Charles was a great player. A great player. And I'll put let me put it this way. I'll actually put I'll actually put Charles ahead of ahead of Rod. I'll put Charles ahead of Rod. I'm just messing with you on that one. Charles was a great player. So was Rod. And so was somebody I used to work with, Darren, who I think is a very oh, unsung, yeah. easily the number three Woodson. But I like I like the Cardinals this year. Now Going back to your point real quick on the Cardinals, I think just as it's a make-or-break year for A.J. Green, I think it's a make-or-break year for Cliff Kingsbury. If his team starts strong and falters down the stretch like it did last season, I don't think he makes it to another year there. I think they move on. And so I think even, they're going to be invested. I'll say this. Even if, even, if, even if Kingsbury gets them into the playoffs, maybe into an NFC Championship game, I don't know long-term he's a coaching answer. I don't know that he and, is. And to, be on, and to be born. Gonna, they need to make the playoffs to ensure that he's the coach next season. He reminds me of Barry Switzer in Dallas. Mm. A, mm. a college coach who inherited a, real, a good NFL team and your job is not to screw it up. I'm not buying Cliff Kingsbury. And arguably he hasn't done that so far. No, he hasn't. But I'm not buying Cliff Kingsbury as a successful long-term NFL coach. I'm, bu- I'm not buying him as that. I'm... I, let me just put it this way. Will Cliff Kingsbury still be coaching in the NFL a decade from now? I don't see it. No, I see him back. I see him back at I see him coaching at like Southwest Texas State or something. Oh no, I think now. it will be like some SEC schools just gonna throw ungodly amounts of money at him. Like Tennessee is gonna be like, this is our solution. This is how we're gonna get oh, back. Uh, <laughs> if we get back. Peyton Manning years via Clinton. Yep. That's yeah. Point. Yeah. 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 It's some point, crazy Tennessee, shit. Tennessee football so desperate. They'll try. They will try and reanimate Pat Summit's corpse and teach her football to try and do something. <laughs> I mean, uh, the mustard game of Tennessee last year was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> now, then for all for all of us, Super Bowl Super Bowl projection. Who do you have? And also one hot take for the NFL season. One your Super Bowl pick and who and your and a hot take for the NFL season. 
my I Super think it's Bowl- going to... No, oh, like, go, no, you go on. Oh, I think my Super Bowl pick is going to be Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. And I think Kansas City takes it. And Tom Brady has to retire going out in defeat. That's my production. Chelsea, what do you have? I think it's going to be Tampa Bay and Buffalo and Buffalo is going to lose in the Super Bowl and have like super hardship. And they're going to go through all this stuff in the nineties again. Is it because of a missed kick? Like, are you going to like even give that? It's going to, I don't know about that much, but it's going to be like something where they're, I think it would be more of a blown out thing going in. We're going to do it for Buffalo. Finally, it's going to resurrect all these like ghosts of our city. And then just completely destroyed by Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is going to be like, nope, I'm coming back again. Well, so you're thinking, so let me get this straight. Tom Brady, Super Bowl. And then he's going to want, he's going to want to play some more. Yeah. I mean, why not? It, that seems like his entire personality. Like this whole last year. Do you think Brady can get the 50? 50 years old, 50 years old. How many more? I think he, he's got five more years. No, oh, five no. years. Open, opening day 2027. He's going to walk out there as a 50-year-old quarterback. I don't think he'll be 50, but I do have to say the first ever Michigan game I went to, I was seven years old, and he was the starting quarterback and got booed when he came out onto the field. So everyone's like, why isn't Henson playing? As much as I'm aligned their coach, I'm going to ride Arizona to the Super Bowl. All right. Wow. I'm going to ride Eric, I'm going to ride Kyler Murray to the Super Bowl. In fact, I'll say it. Bills Cardinals Super Bowl. What? Bills Card- <laughs> Buffalo Arizona in the Super Bowl. Two teams. So have someone's going to something's got to give. I think if that happens, the NFL is going to be like in those VW3 commercials and they're going to start having trap doors go onto the floor. <laughs> to make it so that much. can't happen. That Coming on the home stretch here, want to want to get a want to get a couple of hot takes from both of you, and also check in what you're doing. Um, first off, last few weeks been uh, as you as we all know, the year 2022 has been the year of living transphobically. First, you've got some some parents in Utah decided our kids finished second and third, so let's investigate first place just to make sure she said she is who she <laughs> says she is. Then there's Haley Davidson, and all of a sudden, oh my God, women's golf's in trouble. Haley's going to rise up out of the water hazard and eat women's golf, which isn't true. And then now there's this story that came out a couple days ago where 25-year-old Jamie Hunter, snooker player from England, who's been on a roll, um, won the U.S. Women's Snooker Open in Seattle over the weekend, won the World's Billiards Championship a week before and now some some gender critical group is saying that she only won because you need to hear this this nonsense i mean it's always something dumb i try to no 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 this is no this is beyond (laughs) this is beyond stupid it, I mean, it's like when Amy Schneider was winning at Jeopardy and okay, everyone I'll... was bemoaning her ability in the same vein. It's snooker. It's a, okay. This is from this gender critical group called Genspect. Oh, I know Genspect. Genspect, which is like, they're really for conversion therapy. The Absolutely. trans woman 
And they and they and they spell trans woman as one word, which means you know you're trans. You know you're trans woman. Oh, when automatic, yeah. The trans woman, <laughs> Jamie. The trans woman, Jamie Hunter. Sounds like the Terminator almost. <laughs> the trans woman, Jamie Hunter, has won the women's snooker. However, trans women have an advantage over women as they have better reach due to their longer lens and better spatial ability due to testosterone. <laughs> Wait. That's a thing. Okay. <laughs> story my hip on so many corners. I don't know about this better spatial ability. I call. Yeah, it. I'm always covered in bruises just from running into shit. Right, like it's, but, but like I think it just when and this is what I've talked about before when there's just such an inherent misogyny in all of these gender critical arguments that are just the way they talk about women is so insulting to women everywhere and it just drives me up a wall because i just don't understand why they need to put down like better spatial awareness come on like i i'm reading this and i'm like what i'll admit i'm tired <laughs> i'm just tired you should be. we i mean i'm just tired I mean, you like earlier um, after the uh, the event in the UK, like seeing like Martina Navratilova going off on like how the like get the L out people were kicked out of Pride because they were interrupting and like tried to like stop a parade, and they're like, "What lesbians aren't allowed?" Like, no, people who are trying to disrupt the parade aren't allowed. That they happen. To you like, know what? all the you know all these people who say get the L out are working with people who are saying you know what you're right get the L out and take the rest of the letters with you exactly and they are and and that's where I'm like I don't know I get so frustrated by those arguments of like oh well like they're so willing to make determinations over who other people are and who they love that they just can't it, they can't accept that other people think differently than them. And yes, actually, I want to ask so much inclusion. I want to ask you both something about that because Connecticut, we do things kind of like you know, kind of upside down, inside out, kind of backwards. Pride season, we have a second Pride season that's in the fall, mm -hmm. and during the Pride season, Halloween. yeah, and and during the Pride season, which is in fact, in fact, the major fall Pride up here in New Haven, Pride's coming up. In mid-September. Leading up to that week, I'm moderating a panel discussion on trans-lesbian visibility. So, and since there are three of us here, <laughs> I want to get, get an idea. Chelsea, I want to start with you. How do you answer to those who say transgender women cannot be lesbians? Look at my porn career. That's all I do. And it's been my entire last 10 years of my life so it does the fuck <laughs> and and shauna um your twitter one of your twitter handles says it all so how do you answer to those who say if you're a trans woman you can't be a lesbian well i think so many times the important part of being a lesbian isn't actually loving women to a lot of people. But for me, as a woman who loves other women, I don't understand why those two have to be mutually exclusive. 
And at the end of the day, that's the important thing is there's so much to womanhood that is, there's so much to love. And I think that's what, what, what frustrates me about those who are so small minded and limited is because I think it really fails to see just how truly amazing, wonderful, and often revolutionary and different it it can be to be a trans woman in love with either another trans woman or a cis woman. Lesbians just the best. It's so fucking great. Also, I own a strap on. You can't say I'm not a lesbian. You two are making you two are making me cry right now. This is just I'm feeling oh. I'm feeling the love right now. This is and, you know, and I think there's <laughs> you know, and there's such there's so much beauty to it. And I think you know, as like you know, my I have my one partner is very butch of center, and you know, as and they're a non-binary lesbian, and like when talking to them, they have very much like lesbian is their gender identity is a lot of ways. Like, and there's such a strong historical connection between like, you know, you think of like stone butch blues and all like that kind mm-hmm. of era. And I, I'm loving that you're seeing so much of a greater breadth of what it means to be a lesbian in our modern climate. And I think that's such a, that's a good thing. Like, if you had yeah. to, if you had to put, if if you had to put a type or a label on the type of lesbian you are, this is for everyone now. What would you describe it? I, I identify as a femme, like a femme same. lesbian is definitely my, like that's more than even just like being like, I don't know. I'm kind of of that mindset now that I'm like, gender is just clothes. Like let's be real. Like it's not real. <laughs> I was, I was expecting I was expecting the Chelsea Poe answer on that one and I got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like it's I'm like gender is not real. That's yeah, and it's not <laughs> it's presentation, how one how you think of and see yourself embodying in the world. And like I also identify as very femme as femme too. And like that's something that like I've seen so many people that with the pandemic, they've really like a lot of people have come out and like rediscovered different aspects of their gender and their gender identity. And for me, I really found how much more like playing with more like not like I'm you know definitely not the highest of femme, but like also I feel like I found so much more joy in that when not having any sort of that going out socialness when that was stripped away from necessity it's really helped me delve further into it. And I really appreciated kind of embracing that aspect of myself. Now, if I had to put a description or a label on it, I'm a, I, I'm a sport femme, which means, yes, I'm the, I'm that girly girl, but on the field, it's your ass. <laughs> on the like, yeah, I always like wait. tomboy femme as the <laughs> name. Like you play lacrosse, is that like kind of what you want to come across as that sort of vibe? No, more like no. <laughs> well, <Field> hockey, <laughs> field hockey. <laughs> is that Laxian? I grew up like, in. Hey, wait a minute! I grew up in Nebraska. Yeah. We didn't have none of that. No, we we don't have I, that. I, I played me no, but, but I sure as hell played some. But but um, hey, right now I'm I'm working on playing on playing with a football team. 
That's so cool. Wow. I am working on, I mean, I'm not going to give all the particulars yet, but hey, I've done some working out with a couple of football teams and hey, who knows? I may get out there. Hey, you may be seeing me hit the field in 2023. You never know. But the thing is, I love playing sports and it's what I do. And that's one thing I want to ask both in a sense. For example, Chelsea, even with all the things you do, and it's an impressive amount of stuff. That may that maize and blue is a part of you. Yeah. How did that translate into your transition? Um, I feel like for me, everyone in my life, no matter gender, like college football is just so much a part of life in the Midwest. Where like female members of my family are as big of fans as anyone else, so I never really viewed it as a thing of. I came out really young. I think I came out when I was like 13 or 14. So it's when Michigan football started going downhill. <laughs> so it was like around the, like the Appalachian state season, um, them getting blown up by Oregon shit starting to go downhill. So I've obviously was still watching and still a fan of it, but I never really felt like it was a real choice thing. Um, kind of earlier on, I think I might've been hiding behind sports when I was younger to almost like have a, facade to be like oh it's not that but i think particularly getting older and learning about sports from a more like left perspective and people like dave zarin or even just like people like katie nolan at espn who made sports a thing that it wasn't just like these guys on espn talking about it like you could have fun with it and it doesn't have to be this ultra serious thing all the time so i think particularly in the last like few years i've gotten way more back into it because i can really see the relations between sex work and um, athletes and sports as a whole. And Shauna, for you, because you may love sports your whole life, grew up in a family that like, I mean, like I said, if I, if I went up to your dad and said, Major Ogilvy, he knows what I'm talking about. Oh, You've yeah. been around it and you're also a competitive athlete in your own right. You're killing it in dodgeball. You're killing it in volleyball. And you know your stuff. How much did how much how much was the sport a part of kind of your process of becoming the person you are now? Oh, I mean, I think it was absolutely a big part. You know, and I I'm so glad you brought up the name Katie Nolan, Chelsea, because I think she was such well, I've watched so many of like her former shows and like her. Like, yeah. I love her so much. So much. And I think like, it just was like, so like I did see so much of like myself and like my mm -hmm. personality is like, you know, one of the, the girl who can be with the guys. And I, and I always saw like sports as being a place for having an Avenue for people like me who have mm -hmm. always been like a fan. And like, I've always been able to be very interested and have like those conversations. Like, you know, when I could go over, like, I remember meeting my girlfriend's dad. And when I went over and we started talking about sports and he was like, oh, like, she knows what she's talking. Like, she, like, <laughs> like, I immediately, like, he's like a, he's a softball coach. And like, so I was like being able to talk about all of that. And like, that we're like, like, you know, that like I play on a team with his daughter and like all those different things. Like, it's such an important, like part of the culture, like you said, in the Midwest. And yeah. Like, it's such an important aspect of both like who I am as a person and now like who I am as a woman and growing and getting to be a part of all of that, you know, especially now as I like 
compete in like multiple like amateur sports leagues like it's it's something i carry with me like that way this has been a great time with the both of you like chelsea i know you've got some big things coming up for you yeah you can vote for me for the why not cam awards creator of the year um i won it last year at my trophy back there and just like the michigan wolverines i'm hoping to go back to back with trophies this year so you can vote for me every single day at why not um cam awards.com and shauna what have you got cooking real quick uh let's see i just got off participating in the stonewall sports national like tournament where I was able to play in a dodgeball team, both in the like women's tournament division and in the co-ed general. And it was a great time. And it was so fulfilling to be able to take like, you know, as you were talking about the WNBA and like seeing like the difference in the women's division versus the co-ed where there was so much more strategy and it was like, the psychological aspects of the game of dodgeball were able to come into the forefront. It was so incredibly cool and like such a meaningful experience for me. And I'm hoping to be a part of more traveling dodgeball tournaments because like every year in the beginning of the year is the Sin City tournament in Las Vegas, which I'm hoping to take part in and hopefully just keep performing and, you know, growing as a player. Well, I can tell you, both of you got doing some great stuff, keeping tabs on both. Chelsea Poe, Shauna Atkinson, thank you for being a part of the Transporter Room this week. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay, now, beaming, beaming both down to their respective locales. Thanks to both of them for being on the Transporter Room this week. And if you liked what you saw, trust me, there's more to come. Those two are not just a part of, you know, they're not just guests in the transporter room. They're friends of the show. And also, they're analysts for the show. Shauna handles NFL stuff. Chelsea is a college football guru. And they're both, they're both awesome, wonderful women. I'm glad to know them. Glad to work with them. Just like I'm glad to know all of you. Download our show. Listen to the show every week. And you know... If there's something you want to see or someone you want to see on this show or something you want to say about what I'm doing here, by all means, leave a message on our Twitter page, leave a message on our Facebook page, and leave a message at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. I say it every week, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that everything I do at the Transporter Room, I do it all for you. The people who've supported me and recently your support has been transformative and uplifting for me and I thank you for it. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week. <laughs>